Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades on five continents, culminated his ministry with a 21-year, book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called a life study. This life study is the basis of our program today, which includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's life study. We have another wonderful life study today dealing with the life of Jacob before us from Genesis, and here to enjoy it with us is Ed Marks. Ed, it's nice to have you back today. Want to look into Jacob's wonderful prophecy in Genesis chapter 49. Ed, our last broadcast concerned this matter of the maturity as seen in the latter part of Jacob's life, and there was a marvelous point in that program that I think bears repeating for the sake of the listeners that missed the last program. Could you say something regarding Jacob speaking by the end of his life? Yes, by the end of Jacob's life, he was mature in the divine life. And we've seen in previous programs that, on the one hand, we see Jacob was transformed. And to be transformed is to be metabolically changed in your natural life. It's it's a metabolic transformation. But to be mature in life is to be filled to the brim with the divine life that changes us. In Genesis 49, what we see is that Jacob's speaking comes out of a person who is filled to the brim with God's life. So what happened was blessing flowed out of his prophetic word. To be a person who can speak in the way of blessing others with God in Christ as the spirit of life, we need to be a person who knows God, and we need to be a person who knows people. Jacob was a person who knew God in an intimate way, and he knew his sons. He had the spiritual insight into all his sons' real condition, and he was able to speak to them because he knew them. We also need to have the riches of Christ to bless people with those riches. And we need to have a strong, active, exercise spirit. Also, another important point from Genesis 49 is actually Jacob was not a gifted prophet, and yet he spoke for the Lord. In the same way, all of us are qualified to speak for the Lord if we're those who are endeavoring to know God, to know people, to be filled with the riches of Christ, and who exercise our spirit to speak for the Lord. Basically, a person who blesses others with Christ as life in his speaking is a God-constituted person. He's a person who's constituted with God and filled with God as life so he can flow out that life to bless people with that life. And this is what we saw from Genesis 49 in Jacob's prophetic speaking. What we're constituted with really becomes what we express, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Thanks, Ed. Let's join Witness Lee now for today's life study from Genesis chapter 49. According to the human race, Genesis began with Adam. Then it went on with uh, Abel, Enosh, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And then Jacob, he became the father of a house children by God. And this house is uh, mainly composed with 
12 sins. And these 12 sins eventually all became tribes of this race. So up to here, the word is so clear to us, God's intention was not to have individuals. God's intention was to have a house. And uh, Israel was a type of uh, the house that is the church today in the New Testament. In Timothy it says, the house of the living God. And this is the church. So whatever is mentioned here in Genesis, we have to consider that is a type, a picture, a shadow of the church. The house of God today, which is the church, is too spiritual. It's hard and difficult for anyone to grasp. So anything spiritual in the Bible needs a physical picture. This is the principle in the Bible. Without the house of Israel, we would be uh, very hard to get into the real understanding of the church. Based upon this principle, we have to apply all the 12 tribes to ourselves. Ed, we've talked before about the Old Testament providing pictures of the realities of the New Testament, and today's word is very much in that vein. Of course, we know that there are two different dispensations in God's economy. So shouldn't the things of the Old Testament remain separate from the New Testament? Well, actually, the, the, although the Old Testament and New Testament dispensations are different, we need to see that the Bible is the book of God. It's one complete book. The 66 books of the Bible were all composed by the inspiration of God through men. These two portions of the Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament, work together. The things shown in the New Testament are divine, spiritual, mysterious, and mystical. And what the Old Testament does in a marvelous way is it gives us marvelous pictures, marvelous types of the divine, spiritual, mysterious, mystical realities in the New Testament. For instance, in the Old Testament, you have the picture of the house of Israel. Well, in the New Testament, Galatians 6.16 tells us that the New Testament believers as the church of God are the real Israel of God. The children of Israel were just a picture. The New Testament reality is that the church of God, the body of Christ, is the real Israel of God. 1 Timothy 3.15 tells us the church is the house of the living God. And in 1 Corinthians 10.6, Paul tells us in this verse that the things that happened to the children of Israel, everything that happened to them, was a picture or an example to us. So the children of Israel, they ate the Passover. Who's the real Passover? 1 Corinthians 5.7 tells us Christ is our Passover. The children of Israel passed through the Red Sea. Well, the New Testament believers experience that reality when they are baptized into Christ. The children of Israel, they went into the wilderness. They ate the manna as their spiritual food. Who is the real spiritual food? 
In John 6, the Lord tells us, I am the bread that came down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and live forever. He is our real spiritual food, and we need to eat him every day so that we can live because of him. The children of Israel drank water out of the cleft rock. Well, Christ is the spiritual rock. He was cleft on the cross, and living water gushed out of him for us to drink of for our enjoyment. So just by this brief portrait I'm giving here, we can see that we need the Old Testament marvelous pictures to explain the deep, mysterious, wonderful New Testament realities of Christ. Ed, throughout this entire life study of Genesis, these pictures have been invaluable. And I know this portion ahead of us is full of many more pictures. Let's join Witness Lee. Jacob prophesied Firstly, the things concerning the first three sons. Reuben, Simeon, and Levi. A group of three persons, but it is subdivided. The first subdivision is of a single person, Reuben. And the second subdivision is Simeon and Levi. Jacob combined them together as one because they were buddy-buddy. They were of the same character. They were of the same disposition. The Bible didn't group anyone with Reuben because Reuben was too dirty, full of germs. He had to be isolated. Because he was corrupted to the uttermost. So here, his father Jacob, in prophesying concerning Reuben, Jacob used a word, ebullient, means boiled to move violently. Reuben was boiled by what? By his lust. To move violently, to defile his father's bed. Then the father said, He has no more preeminence. This indulgence caused him to lose all the right in his birth. Don't think. Defilement is a small thing. Fornication is a direct damage to your physical body. We have been regenerated, and now our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So we must hold our body in an honorable way. Nothing damages your body as fornication. When I was young, coming into the ministry, I went to Shanghai to be under Brother Nee's help. By that time, I was 26 already. The first instruction and warning that Brother Nee gave me was this. Brother, in the Lord's ministry, Whenever you are going to contact a female, 
especially in your age, you must do it with a third party. He said, this is for your protection. I could never forget this word. I got much help from this word. We are human beings, and we are fallen beings, and we do have the lust. Robin lost all the preeminence of his birthright just because of one sin. Don't say you will never commit such a thing. You don't know. But the best protection is the word I got from Brother Nee. Actually, in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul again and again and again, in 1 Corinthians, in Galatians, in Ephesians, he warned again and again, all the fornicators have no inheritance in the kingdom of God. Be in price. Don't contact the other sex in a low way. For the Lord's name, for the church testimony, and for your protection, and for the honor of your physical body, you must keep the principle, don't be with one single in a room for too long a time. Try the best to avoid that. Then you will be kept. Anyhow, Reuben got his natural birth, his status of his birth fully changed. And in Deuteronomy chapter 33, Moses said, Let Reuben live and not die. That means according to the law, Reuben should die. And let his men not be few. Moses was concerned that Reuben either will die or the number of his tribe will much, much reduced, decreased. I tell you, brothers, to commit fornication, it may cause you to be decreased. I just mentioned this much. I hope that the Holy Spirit will remind you. Ed, from time to time in this program, we do come to a passage of Scripture that bears a real warning for God's people and many times in the realm of physical sin. This portion concerning Reuben certainly falls into that category. Is this word concerning fornication and how, as believers, we must avoid it really possible in this so-called modern age? Yes, it's not only possible, it's something we must do and we must deal with. We need to realize as believers in Christ that this modern age is filled with the stratagems of the devil to damage mankind whom God wants to use to express him. There are three serious things that God hates. One is idolatry. Idolatry distracts people from the person of Christ and from the headship of Christ. God also hates division. Division annuls the body of Christ. Another thing that God hates is fornication. Fornication damages the humanity of mankind, which God created so that he could fill this humanity and he could be expressed through this humanity. You know, Reuben lost his birthright because of immorality and fornication. But Joseph received the birthright because of his purity in this matter. If you remember in the book of Genesis, Potiphar's wife tried to seduce Joseph. 
But Joseph fled that situation. He ran away from it. And because of Joseph's moral purity, he was the one who received the birthright. In the same way in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 6.18 tells us we have to flee fornication. That means we need to run away from situations, any kind of situations where we could be tempted. Uh, You know, it's very practical. As believers in Christ, and I would especially like to say this to our brothers in Christ, even to those of us who serve the Lord, we should exercise never to be alone with a female in a closed room. We shouldn't trust our flesh. Our flesh is like a dog with rabies. Romans 14 tells us, make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. We would just like to practice never being alone with a female in a closed room. 2 Timothy 2.22 is a big verse. It tells us to flee youthful lusts. We need to flee these lusts, but positively we need to pursue Christ as righteousness, love, faith, and peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. This is our Christian life. Nothing damages humanity more than fornication. And in this devilish age, we need to be those who flee fornication and separate ourselves unto God for his good pleasure. Ed, thank you for those practical words to help with a very difficult problem. And I particularly enjoyed our fleeing really becomes our pursuing Christ with those. Let's rejoin Witness Lee. Levi became a big blessing. He had the the right, the privilege, to come into the presence of God. They have the uh, unique privilege to serve God. Priesthood might be considered as the top portion of the birthright. Am I right? I believe I got it. Not only so, the Bible is quite meaningful. You know, Jacob said, scatter Levi among the children of Israel. You read Joshua, you could say this prophecy was fulfilled. Because of Levi's faithfulness and absoluteness, Moses was very happy with Levi. Moses cannot annul the prophecy of Jacob. Rather, he had to fulfill. So God commanded him to tell the children of Israel that when they enter into the good land, all the 12 tribes, they have to uh, put some cities for the Levites. Not by their selection, but by lot. Altogether, 48 cities. And among the 48, six will be special. What's special? The cities of refuge. The curse of Levites being scattered became a blessing. Because the Levites, they brought people to God. And they also bring God to the people. And especially their dwelling places were the cities of refuge. The cities of refuge are also a type of Christ. Christ is our city of refuge. And we are all monsters. I tell you, you wives all have slain the husband. And we husbands all have slain our wives. 
I'm just saying one, where shall we go? We have to run. Run to the state of refuge. Run to Christ. And where is this state of refuge? Where the priests dwell. Wherever we dwell, there is a state of refuge for sinners run into. We bring God's refuge to the sinful people. Wherever we dwell, wherever we live, there is a refuge for all the sinners. We have to be the divine. We have to be desperate. We have to be absolute. We have to be faithful to slay all our flesh desires. That we may be God's Levites. We may be God's priests. Then, wherever we live, I tell you, our dwelling place will be the very refuge. The city of refuge for the sinners to run into for salvation. Well, this is meaningful. Ed, I think we both agree this was a wonderful conclusion today, that we could become the real Levites, the real priests to God, to be able to bring Christ as the city of refuge to all sinners. Would you say something about these rich and symbolic items? You're absolutely right. This was a marvelous conclusion. And I would like to just say to our listeners, all of us need to be the real Levites today. And who were the Levites? If you look in Exodus chapter 32, after the children of Israel, after they erected a golden calf, after they engaged in idolatrous worship, Moses, this is in Exodus 32, verse 26, he said, Who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. And I would even say this to our listeners today who are listening. Are you on the Lord's side? If you're on the Lord's side, come unto Christ. Come out of every compromising situation. We shouldn't do things just because every other Christian is doing it. We need to separate ourselves to be absolute for God's interest. Who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me and be separated from all the compromising, idolatrous situation in much of today's Christendom. You know, because Levi was so absolute for God, Genesis 49 tells us he was scattered among the children of Israel. And he was given 48 cities. And six of these cities were cities of refuge for the manslayers. The, the people who slayed man, of course, the manslayers typify sinners. All of us as sinners were manslayers. We need to be desperate to pursue the Lord. We need to give ourselves to be absolute for the Lord. And we need to be faithful to the Lord to slay all our fleshly desires so that we can be God's priests who contact God and contact people to bless them with all that God is. If we're such people, then the place where we are becomes a city of refuge. And who is this city of refuge? Or what does this city of refuge typify? This city of refuge typifies Christ himself. He is the city of refuge whose sinners can flee into for their salvation. 
So if we are desperate, absolute, and faithful to slay all our fleshly desires to be the real priests of God in this sinful, idolatrous age, then wherever we live, the place where we live, will be a city of refuge into which sinners can run for salvation. This is a marvelous conclusion, and I just pray, and we all need to pray, Lord, make me a desperate, absolute, faithful priest for you so that the place where I am can be a city of refuge where unbelievers can run into for their glorious salvation in Christ. Ed, wonderful fellowship today and a very wonderful life study. Thank you much, and I look forward to your next visit with us. You have been listening to The Life Study of Genesis with Witness Lee. If you would like more information about this program, then please call 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Or write to Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. You can also send us email at radio at lsm.org. For a free download of this program, or to find more information, visit us online at lsm.org. If you've enjoyed what you've heard from this Life Study of Genesis, then we encourage you to freely distribute this program. It's available in MP3 format. Again, it can be downloaded from lsm.org free of charge.